Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Toot. Hello and welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast. That's what that guy said, but I said it better. <laughs> I'm Dude. I got, got Don and Andy with me as well. Andy, how you doing, my man? Doing great, man. I think we should have the listening audience call in and, and vote on who, who did the intro better. 1-800-DUDE-01 to vote for... For the dude. Yes. He- <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, text that. Yes. Text you that. text that. Remember that? That's how you do it. Don, how you doing, man? I'm well. Excited to, to talk about some uh, some talent shows. <laughs> you sound excited. <laughs> so, so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right. So, we are the Album Nerds. We love the album format. Talking about three albums today. We'll be answering a question. We'll be spinning that beautiful wheel of musical destiny to find out what kind of albums we will talk about next time. But this week, we are talking about TV singing competitions and uh, some of the contestants and, and what albums they may have produced. That's what I'm talking about! Yeah, well, since the, the early 2000s, uh, network television has had tons of music competition shows here in the United States, you know, including American Idol, The Voice, uh, America's Got Talent, even, you know, on cable on the country channel there, they had Nashville Star. Don't forget the X Factor. Oh, that's right, the X Factor. And most of these were <laughs> inspired by uh, talent shows that were popular in, uh, in the UK. But actually, you know, before the modern era, uh, there were talent shows out there. Uh, Star Search had a, a long run through the 80s and 90s in, in syndication. Uh, so uh, each of us is bringing an album to the table from an artist who was a contestant on uh, some sort of television competition show. Yeah, so you guys uh, big on that stuff? You guys watch those shows? I mean, what's your background on this? Yeah, growing up, we watched, we watched Star Search. I think it was like on once a week, I want to say, maybe like... Friday nights or something. Yeah, we used to watch that all the time. I love the stand-up comedians. It was my, my jam. Not so much the music, but... Uh, and then when American Idol came to the U.S., I want to say it was like the late 90s or maybe early 2000s. Watched the first season of that with my roommate. It was kind of fun. But after that, nah. I haven't really been fucking with it too much lately. I feel like it's... Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's like not a lot of great artists that come out of there. But what do you guys think? I, I hate them all. I, I, I just can't stand <laughs> talent shows. I, I feel like it's just like the, the worst parts of the, the, the music business uh, on television. You know, I, th- I think they're just focusing on like superficial things and star making. And it's really mm-hmm. like the opposite of what I think music should be. Well, like Star Search was more of a true talent competition, I felt. Uh, American Idol brought in that element of mocking the people that sucked. The, <laughs> yes. You know. One thing Americans are great at doing. But, I, you know, I, I enjoyed some of those when reality TV was new. It just the whole thing wore itself out. And, Don, you're right. I mean, it wasn't typically churning out people I was interested in listening to afterwards. That's why I lost interest. But, uh, yeah. So, I think we're probably all – none of us are huge fans of this stuff. I don't watch any of them now. But we did some digging to find out uh, if there's anyone from all of these years, all these decades – of talent shows that uh, put out albums that we enjoy. So here we go. You choo choo choose me. All right. So for my TV singing competition selection, I'm going with uh, someone you guys may have heard of, the name of Beyonce. 
going to talk about her 2016 album, Lemonade. This is her sixth solo studio album for Beyonce, Giselle, Knowles, Carter from Houston, Texas. Let's play the lead single from this record. This is Formation. Yeah, so this was kind of a big deal when this dropped, at least... I remember pretty clearly there was a Super Bowl performance and there was she released an entire like visual music companion to this album basically an extended music video for each song it was pretty pretty exciting at the time when that came out I wouldn't consider myself a Beyonce fan per se but I think with this record she definitely kind of piqued my interest in kind of what this pop R&B sound could do because she, she messes around with a lot of different genres here and a lot of different collaborators. Um, the album itself was nominated for nine Grammys and made a lot of, you know, top year end lists. So yeah, I mean, sorting through these different, you know, singing competition artists, I felt like she was the most polished. I mean, she was back on Star Search back in the 90s as an eight-year-old in a group called uh, Girls Time, which actually had one member of Destiny's Child was a part of that group at the time too so they kind of come up together yeah she's i mean she i think she's pretty impressive as a performer you know as an artist we can talk about that a little bit more but what do you, do you guys think of lemonade the three words i i used to describe the album were not fresh squeezed <laughs> okay so um, <laughs> so you know i i enjoy all lemonade you know i mean of course it's best when it's when it's fresh uh, fresh squeeze when you you know get it from a vendor off the street or something <laughs> but then there's like lemonade that that comes in the concentrate can you know out of the freezer country time yeah <laughs> and it's uh or crystal light you remember the uh oh, ooh, yeah it's it's powdery <laughs> stuff <laughs> Yeah. So it's yeah, it's still good. I, I'm not sure what it is uh, about this this album. Like I I appreciate the effort that went into it. I, I like that she's going through the is it the five stages of grief, you know, in this album. So it's a you know a really cool uh, concept album. It just doesn't feel like sincere to me, you know. And I I realize that these are like it's inspired by life events, but I, I don't know what it is. Like I I just. Uh, I don't know there's that one song is it the sandcastles or something where she's like almost like crying in it like it doesn't sound real to me it just sounds like she's putting on a, a character or something so yeah maybe i i i, I don't know it, it's it's unfair because you could call anybody insincere and they can't really defend themselves but yeah i i it's not sincere to me <laughs> can an artist be moved in the studio where that honesty comes out sure but my three words for this album were own your shit <laughs> take ownership of the uh the scandal that's coming right her husband may have been stepping out jay-z and own it right you take control of it so it doesn't take control of you in the headlines and the tabloids of your career you so i almost said a business decision to describe this mm -hmm. album mm -hmm. because this cemented her as something more, I mean, I didn't listen, I never listened to any of her albums, solo albums, except for this one when it came out because of all the hype. And this was when she became that super uber powerful bay, you know, that uh, <laughs> is a, now a pop culture leader, you know, uh, yeah, totally kingmaker type person. So she's huge. Yeah. I mean, I was reading articles comparing her to, you know, Michael Jackson and Madonna, and I was like, what? That seems insane to me. But she really is kind of become that 
figurehead of this generation, I think, especially uh, young black women. She really, like you said, dude, like she really owned this and made it her own and, and took advantage of it, sort of, or, or made, I guess, lemonade out of a bad situation. That, that makes total sense. My three words were dirty laundry spectacle. So I, mean, I guess let's just get into the little quickly in case you aren't familiar with the background of this record. Jay-Z and Beyonce married as a couple, you know, power couple in music for many years prior to this release. Um, supposedly Jay-Z was stepping out on, on Beyonce for whatever reason. Why someone would cheat on Beyonce is beyond me. But I guess that's what happened. And this album is, is basically her reaction to that. And she goes through all these stages, as, as Don said, of, of kind of, you know, being pissed off. Actually, yeah, why don't we play uh, one of the cuts where, which is really kind of like the height of her anger, I'd say, is expressed on this track she does with uh, Jack White. Uh, this is Don't Hurt Yourself. By far the best song on the album for, some, <laughs> for someone like me with my taste. Yeah, right. By far the most rock-orientated song on the record. Sample from Led Zeppelin's from the Levy Breaks, which I thought was kind of like apropos for the subject matter. A lot of, a lot of heavy sampling on this record and all, and all of her albums, really. Uh, I guess this genre is, deals with a lot of sampling. But I think that does kind of, at least for me, kind of make it feel a little bit removed from you know being more of an intimate portrayal of her emotions. Because there's a lot of contributors on this record. You got like Jack White, The Weeknd, James Blake, Kendrick Lamar. I'll have prominent parts on different tracks throughout here. And then just kind of this heavy sample base to the music does make it feel kind of removed, I guess. I don't, I don't know if that's a negative. It's, it does make it feel different, I guess, than these other records we're talking about today. But there's some other, I guess, more quiet, introspective moments too. And I think the one that really sold me on this record as a whole, and maybe Beyonce as more than just a kind of an R&B and dance artist, is this track in the middle of the record called Daddy Lessons. She's like almost a country rock song. Let's play a little bit of that now. Classic vinyl tough girl is what I had to be. She's from Texas, right? She's from Houston. I think her mom is from New Orleans, I want to say. And so, yeah, like southern upbringing, you know. Songs about like her dad, like, you know, raising a strong woman who can kind of stand on her own and be her own person. I thought it was really impressive to kind of switch up the genre so much and have it work so well on a record like this that could have been a carrie underwood song speaking of uh you know american idol and stuff yeah good one totally yeah i was surprised to read that she didn't actually write the lyrics on that song and i, I don't really know i mean someone in our audience can tell us just how much she's involved with the creation process of these tracks i mean the record feels fairly intimate in the subject matter you know they're dealing with specific things in her life with jay-z but from what i read at least on a few of these songs she didn't wasn't originally writing the lyrics to what, what was being sung here. So maybe that kind of speaks to a little bit what you're saying, Don, too, and how it feels a little bit detached from the, the true emotion of some of these events. Maybe it's uh, it's her voice. I mean, I, I think she's a, a tremendous vocal talent, but I, I think it, it often comes across as, as a little forced for, for me. I think she's better at maybe doing the angry or, you know, the I'm independent, I'm empowered kind of voice. I guess when she gets into those like sadder moments, it doesn't work quite as well. Yeah. I, I don't know. Unlike other, you know, some other R&B singers, I, it doesn't seem to to be quite as, as natural. Yeah. She doesn't have like a bluesy quality to her voice that you might expect in like R&B or, or soul music. Yeah. I, I think 
part of the reason that sincerity might be tough to come by is when an album is very thought out, premeditated, produced meticulously, right? I mean, it, it has to be for for the kind of music that we're talking about here. I mean, if it was her and an acoustic guitar and it was recorded and released in the same year and all that kind of stuff, that has a different feel, but it also wouldn't be Beyonce. So I think that <laughs> you have, there has to be a trade-off there where you have to say, okay, she locked some of this stuff up and then let it out for the performances. It wasn't necessarily all in the moments. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think there's, there's kind of a balance that you, that you need to strike with, with concept records, right? Cause they are like by definition contrived. But so, I mean, sometimes I think you can go too far with that and you lose some of the, you know, the natural organic uh, emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of like a reality show. <laughs> yeah this does feel a lot right. like a reality show doesn't it you can just tell the producers are there kind of poking like eh, maybe say something a little more intimate about jay-z there <laughs> want some more dirt but yeah i mean beyonce in general i think is as a positive thing in the music landscape i definitely feel like it's a positive for especially women and this record you know she's put out like some good ones since this too but i feel like this is the most diverse sonically in her catalog and um yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool listen. It's definitely not perfect, but uh, it's worth worth a listen or two if you haven't heard it. So it's Beyonce Lemonade. Check it out. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. And now it is time that we ask ourselves a question. What? Why do you get all medieval on this segment? Where does that come from? I don't know. I don't know. I think the music moves me. Doth have a question. <laughs> Makes me think of medieval times. Yes. How would you rank these TV game show contest hosts? Ed McMahon, Bob Barker, Alex Trebek, and Steve Harvey. What's your rankings, boys? I mean, for my money, I go Bob Barker all day. Guy was a living now, are legend. Are we talking gray-haired Bob Barker or the dyed hair Bob Barker? <laughs> as long as he has a really skinny microphone, I'm good either way. <laughs> Bell bottom pants were, were nice. They still use the skinny microphone. I feel like that's kind of in bad taste. I don't know. <laughs> I I think it's just a prop. I doubt it's even it's a Fry microphone. Doesn't do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fry doesn't do a damn thing. Um, but yeah, you know, Epic Manor, he was, he was cool. He had a good voice. I always liked his voice. But, uh, you know, Steve Harvey's pretty funny, though, man. I don't know if you guys watch uh, Family Feud at all with him, but he's... Keeps that show pretty uh pretty light. That show now is just deteriorated to just like everything is just a like a sex joke. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it's not the family feud that we knew with, you know, Richard Dots Dotson. Dawson? Yeah. Rich, Richard Dawson, Dawson, where he's kissing every woman on the show. That wasn't that wasn't sexually charged or weird. Come on, Don. Yeah, that was that was gross. Like I would much rather have some some funny, yeah. you know, whoopee jokes than or watching uh Richard Dawson tonguing every person on the stage. That was weird. Uh, I mean Barker had his his beauties there. I'm sure there was some tongue involved on that show. The price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the the guy who took over for Richard Dawson? I think his name was Ray Combs or something. He was yep. like a short blonde yep. dude. Um, he he killed himself. Mm -hmm. Wow! Thanks, thanks for bringing <laughs> oh. that, Don. Okay. I don't, I don't know why I'm giggling. <laughs> that's that's exactly where. That's totally where this was supposed to go. We're supposed to rank these guys, not talk about freaking. Jeez. People ending their lives. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Okay, I'm gonna rank. I'm ranking now. Alex Trebek is is number one. Why is that? Because I mean, he set a standard of game show host that was lovable but not goofy in yeah. any way. Like he he kind of reformed what a game show host could be, and uh, he had a sweet mustache, which yes. was really yes, he did. why yes, he's he did. number one. Steve Harvey also has a sweet mustache, so yes. I'll give him number two just because of it. But um, really, you know, I guess Ed McMahon I think of as more of a personality than a host, so I, I put him at the bottom even though uh, he's awesome. But Bob Barker, I loved him. I loved that show when I was a kid, but eh, eh. you know. There was a little bit of a creep via <laughs> Wow. Maybe it's, you know, just because he's sur- surrounded, the surrounded, uh, surrounded by you know attractive women and stuff. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. The finest moment of his career was his appearance in Happy Gilmore. In my, in yeah, my yeah, opinion, that was pretty, pretty awesome. But I, I do appreciate the, that he loved animals. Yeah, I yes. got, we got yes. our cat spayed just because of Bob Barker. So maybe the question should have been like, if we were going to hire a host for this show, which one would we pick? <laughs> Mm. I think I want Steve Harvey because I think he'd. I don't because he cha- he challenged me for being funny. Like uh. I'm, I'm not as funny as him. Like he would just be ripping me to shreds the whole show. I don't think I could take it. Yeah, we should probably get Alex Trebek out of these. He's probably the least uh, to challenge us. He'd be able to help us uh, pronounce the names of, pe- of people right, and bands yeah. we're not sure how yes. to say. He'd nail it. Could use that. All right, so that went on way longer than I thought. So what about you people out there? (laughs) How would you rank those TV game show hosts? Albumnerds.com slash Discord. As of now, your little experiment is deader than disco! Come, Scrap Iron. (laughs) Deader than disco. I like that. I could have been a great stand-up comedian. Okay, so uh, in Europe, uh, there is a, a broadcast, um, you know, giant competition known as the, the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, and this has been in, in, in existence since like 1957. Uh, each nation puts forth like one song. So in 1974, the Swedish band ABBA uh, won for the, the song Waterloo. You know, bringing to the table today uh, came a couple of years later, an album called Arrival. So it released in October 1976. Um, it, it has, you know, probably the song uh, most known, at least here in the United States, uh, Dancing Queen. Uh, so why don't we why don't we play a clip of, of that? Oh, yes. I remember uh, back when Don and I were roommates 20 years ago, and I caught him dancing in his underwear covered in <laughs> glitter to the song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope that's a true story. <laughs> I wish it were. I really do. So ABBA is a, a Swedish group uh, originally made up of two married couples. So there's, uh, where's Alex Trebek when you need him? Agatha Faltskog. Or, I'm sorry, Agnatha Faltskog uh, and Bjorn uh Olveus. Uh, so that's one married couple. The other one is uh, Benny Anderson uh, and Ani Fried uh, Lingstad. <laughs> uh, so the, 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 two, the two men, 
Olveus and Anderson are the main songwriters and producers, uh, and the and the two women uh, were really the the, the main singers. Uh, although all of them, uh, you know, sang a sang a bit. Um, the name Abba is actually a, an anagram of their first names, so A B B A. Uh, it's also a palindrome. I, I don't know how many artists you can think of uh, whose names are, are palindromes. Not a ton. So bonus points, Bob. Oh, Bob. Is there a band named Bob? <laughs> there is now. I just started okay. it. <laughs> Dad. Uh, Mom. Uh, so th- their manager, uh, Stieg, Stig, uh, Stieg Anderson, uh, actually wrote a lot of the, the lyrics. So the, the three words I, I chose to describe the album are just uh, masters of pop, right? I mean, because that's ABBA is just like a, a series of, of hooks. I know when I turn on an, an ABBA song or an ABBA record at, at first, yeah, it's it's cringy, you know. So you're like, oh, I I don't think I can do this. Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, if 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 you stick through the song, like by you know by the middle eight or whatever, you know, you're you're humming and and dancing along. So they're infectious. <laughs> so uh, what do you guys uh, think of this this record? The three words I chose to describe this album were folky, disco, melodies. Mm, um, folky. Folky. I've never listened, not hokey, although it is that too. <laughs> I have never listened to any of their albums, only heard greatest hits collections, soundtracks. It has the elements of that folky singer-songwriter stuff from the 70s, the mid-70s as well. If you were to put an acoustic guitar to this, I mean, a lot of the songs would totally fit. And I hadn't realized that before. So I feel like they took that sensibility and then added those grand sort of disco dancing sounds to it and made something that is unique and set trends. I mean, hello, Ace of Bass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's pretty influential band, really. If you even like looking back at like sampling, like, God, I feel like these, there's so many catchy little earworms and hooks on this record. It's just ripe for, for poaching. Um, but my three words were Sweden's finest bubblegum. It is sweet and sugary, but you know, there's plenty of pop, the bubblegum, you know, plenty of things to hang on to at least surface level. You know, lyrically, there's not a lot going on to uh, really maybe change your life. But I think there's enough good moments on here and enough kind of like things that you can hum later on that will make it a more or less enjoyable experience. Yeah, well, why don't we uh, listen to probably my favorite track on the album. This is My Love, My Life. Uh, Andy's right. You know, the, the lyrics are, you know, vapid. Uh, but I mean, part of that might be, I mean, they are, you know, I guess writing in a second language. That's a good point. Yeah. And so I, th- I think to appeal to, to many different nations, uh, you know, I think they probably, they probably keep the, the lyrics simple. Hmm. Um, I, I think Abba has been criticized for being just sort of formulaic and, you know, may, maybe missing some, some soul and some life, but um, I don't know. I mean, a, a song like that, you know, I, I find it moving. You know, I, I get, I, I think some of these hooks are just so good. I, I, I actually get, uh, I get goosebumps. I, I think they got kind of caught in that disco net, right? And they got completely dismissed. Then they became a joke. And then as the 90s came into play, 
a lot of people in my age group got this 70s nostalgia thing going. And then all of a sudden, ABBA songs are in, you know, there's musicals based on it and it becomes something respected again. Yeah, they are not, they are no longer a, a punchline. Yeah. And in, in fact, they're in the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, and they are the only, is it Anglo? Potent potables. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I have it. Uh, oh, the only non-anglophonic artist in the the Hall of Fame. Anglophonic. There's a word yeah. for today. I'll take anal bum cover for a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, an uh, album uh, cover. <laughs> right. So uh, the the album is you know somewhat eclectic. There there are differing styles in there. There's one song that sounds kind of you know Fats Domino ish. Uh, here's a more uh, kind of rocky sounding song. Uh, this is knowing me, knowing you. There is nothing we can do, knowing me, knowing you. We just had to face it this time. <laughs> you can hear the Sabbath influence. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh yeah, it just reeks <laughs> yeah, the Sabbath. I- <laughs> so I'm, I'm so curious to see them perform this. Like, how do they do that live? Like, all those little aha uh-huh and little. There's, there's these really good hushed like vocals throughout that song where it's like yeah. sad times. Yeah. Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's super lush and pristine sounding and does kind of have like that uh Phil Spector kind of sound, I guess, of hmm. you know, like that just boom, here it is, the whole thing at once. Yeah. No, but the vocals are not great you know i mean these these women aren't like amazing singers um but i I find a little bit of charm in it i think maybe it almost makes it feel more poppy because they you know have i think more common sounding voices than if you know like beyonce was was singing these songs or or something maybe it makes it more accessible were they really i assume they were pretty popular in sweden is that were they like the the band of sweden in the 70s Yes, and they're—I mean—they're like the by far the greatest-selling Swedish artist oh, yeah. of of all time. And yeah, what about the Swedish Chef? He put out some stuff, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, it was more like oingy boingy, shingy boingy. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't have the harmonies. Yeah, that, not quite good. The harmonies. Yeah. Okay, so that was uh, 1974 Eurovision winners ABBA uh, with their 1976 album Arrival. And now a word from our sponsor, us. This is friendship. Pure, unadulterated friendship. Oh, yeah. Are you a music fan? Love the album format? Want everyone to know your musical tastes? Join us on the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash discord, to talk with like-minded nerds, suggest topics for the show, and to get a sneak peek at what is coming next. And this is American Idol. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the elephant in the room here is American Idol. We haven't talked about anyone that uh, was a contestant on American Idol so I'm going with the band Daughtry, and I decided to choose their newest album. I hadn't heard it prior to preparing for this show. It's, the album's called Dearly Beloved. Why don't we start off with the track World on Fire. All right, so that was World on Fire from the Daughtry album 
Dearly Beloved released September of 2021. That song referring to some of the crazy stuff going on in 2020 and even before that, some of it was written before uh, the shit hit the fan. Uh, but there are references to sickness and uh, wildfires in the world and racism and just all sorts of all sorts of stuff, all the things that plagued us and we keep thinking about even now. And so does Daughtry, obviously. So this album was released recently. I, I was unaware of it. I discovered it in preparing for the show. Uh, his band includes Josh Steely, Brian Craddock, Elvio Fernandez, and Brandon Macklin. Great, just great work. Great keyboard work, great guitar work. Chris Daughtry can really, really sing. Uh, so he's been super successful since being on the fifth season of American Idol. Third most successful of all American Idols behind Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. Big number one albums, etc. Uh, it got that stadium rock, uh, post-grunge, pop rock sound. And I don't always love it. It's not always my cup of tea. Uh, but I do have a couple of the earlier albums. I did see him live in 2010 or 2012. And uh, he was great. He could really sing. Uh, so I was a fan. I watched the show. I was a fan of him throughout the show. It's like I said, it's that big sound, big hooks, big choruses, and it's just fun sing-along rock and roll. My three words to describe it is rock for everyone. And I think that's important. I think it's important that everyone can get behind this. It's just rock. Well, maybe not everyone. Not everyone likes this particular style of rock music, and I think Andy is one of them. Andy, what did you think about this album? Oh boy, here it comes. Well, have at it, you Andy. are right, my friend. I have no quarter for this kind of music. And I apologize for the crassness of my three words, but I said generic masturbation exercises. I feel like this really is not accomplishing anything. It's harmless, I suppose. He could accomplish one thing. Yeah. I could teach you how to spell masturbation correctly because you have it wrong in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it looked a little weird. It's got masturbation. It's got a you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See? Thanks, Daughtry. Ah, yes. That's one to go. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I mean, good things. Good things. All right. He does have a good voice. I think uh, at times very powerful. There are catchy moments on here, I think, um, largely because there's just a lot of repetition. Um, but I think my biggest beef with this album and this kind of genre of music is just it's so generic. Like it's anyone could relate to this i suppose and like what hmm. what does that really accomplish i guess like if you're not speaking from the heart why why should i listen to you just my opinion man what do you what do you think don uh well the three words i i used were um non-christian rock um because it that's really that, that's like the the vibe i got from it like i i thought i was listening to to christian rock you know i mean there's a lot of you know i think references to i don't know sort of like i guess spiritual themes and and stuff like that and you know i don't know if he was getting through something uh with with this album but yeah i mean it, you know it, it sounded like it was um you know supposed to be you know kind of inspirational and, and i think it uh, i think it is you know i, I mean i 
I guess I agree with Andy on, on a lot of this, but I mean, I can appreciate it for, for what it is. It's, uh, I mean, he has an excellent voice. There are, you know, some catchy hooks, um, some nice arrangements. Um, actually, this morning I had all three albums on shuffle and, you know, there, there were a couple of times where uh, a song would come on that, that I wasn't quite recognizing. And I'd be like, Oh, what's that? And it's like, Oh, it's, it's Daughtry. So, um, you know, there's, there's some interesting moments, uh, uh on the album, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, I guess it, it is what it is. <laughs> It was a hot take. <laughs> yeah, that is a hot take. Uh, yeah, so like a lot of the songs are about, like Andy said, you could you could take it however you want. Like uh, Heavy is the Crown, right? I, I think the original meaning of it was supposed to be about, you know, you're kind of the king of your castle or queen or whatever of your world, the world around you. Master of your domain, would you say? Yes, exactly. There we go. We're back to it. And it feels like people are always coming at it, right? I mean, you're you're having to defend your world around you by sometimes external forces. Yeah. And you know, and but people could take it politically. You know, you could take it from either side of the political spectrum and find something to pump your fist to. And I think that's what he's good at. That's what this music his soaring voice is good for. The hard rock elements, because I I think I look at it as a positive thing that anyone can relate to it. I mean, just because it isn't like, you know, world on fire, right, Andy, wink. And then you can be like, oh, I totally relate to this. It's just for me. It's for everybody. <laughs> uh, why don't we get into a pretty interesting track? They So Daughtry took some new approaches. There, uh, there's more pop elements, like modern pop elements synthesizers, keyboards, things that weren't there in the uh, early albums. Let's listen to a little bit from the track Evil. That could almost be a Rival Sun song. Yeah. If you ask me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. bluesy, it's got some cool little stringy boop, 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 pluck stuff adding more to the uh, mass appeal, Andy. <laughs> what what did you guys think of those elements in here? I really liked Evil. I thought that was by far the strongest track. And it was really the only moment on the record where I took notice of what the band was doing. There was actually a few moments of, of interesting production choices, and there was some interesting guitar at times there. But largely, sonically, I find this record very boring. Like, there's hardly anything that really happens Musically, uh, it's mostly just about his voice, kind of giving a backdrop for that. So, I don't know, man. I'm running out of positive things to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's similar to a while back when we, we talked about um, Alter Bridge. Miles Kennedy, ridiculous singing voice, but you had the same kind of reactions to it because it was too general and the, and the rock sounds were... I don't know, too canned or whatever. Yeah, it, just, it, I mean, and they fall in the same category. You just don't like yeah. bands like this. I selectively do. I don't like every album by every band. Like I like, a, there's one Shinedown record I like. A lot of their albums I think are hokey, but I'm open to this world because it's fun, <laughs> you know, and you can relate to every song. And, you know, and I, and I think it really comes down to his voice. The way that it soars and just kind of takes you takes you on a ride, you know. I wonder if you know there's a better 
treatment for his voice or something, or like, I, I don't know if this is the best use of his voice, but I'm not sure if he would be better with like a harder rocking act or if he should go, you know, much more like adult contemporary or, or something because he is, I mean, he's a true vocal talent and, you know, I, I really want it to be, you know, presented in the, the most effective way. I'm going to have to vote for hard rocking. So why don't we listen to a little bit of the song Asylum. Yeah, I mean, that song, you can take any way you want, but I kept thinking about uh, the insurrection stuff because the word insurrection's in the song. I mean, I don't think it was specifically about that. I don't know if the timing matches up, but that's... Listening to this album, every song I was able to put something to it of my own making, and I I liked that. Yeah, that is one benefit of keeping things a little more general, more easily relatable. Towards the end of the album, there's a lot of balladry. Uh, I I liked the closing track, Break Into My Heart. I liked the lyrics, a little different than your typical love song, you know, kind of about rip it up and use it, bruise it, you know, because he needs to feel something. I kind of liked that. Yeah, I, I, Lion, Lioness was I thought was pretty good. The track before that, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I like the ballads. I mean, because again, I you know I think that's where his you know vocals come to the forefront. I, I think the surprise was I was you know going between a bunch of artists, and I thought I would just do the first Daughtry album because it had you know I'm coming home and all that stuff. I listened to this; I hadn't heard it, and it caught me immediately. The opening track, Desperation. Heavy is the crown. I love that song. I know Andy doesn't, but I thought it. I love that soaring crown stuff. I love it. <laughs> Cry for help. You know, hey, if you're depressed, go get help. Sure, it's a simple message, but <laughs> people love him and people listen to it. What's wrong with a simple message? I mean, how do you teach people things by starting simply? It, like we, we've talked about rock music and music in general and its structure, and I've said foundation and roof. For me, this is this is like the man cave. This is the finished basement, right? <laughs> this is where the dude goes and tries to feel something by listening to something that lets him, you know, because it's general enough. All right. All right, man. You make a good point. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I was surprised because I had those couple albums before it I wasn't a big fan of. So, yeah, I think Daughtry, the whole band, sounds great here on Dearly Beloved. If you're open to just being a regular person that can uh, <laughs> to be a regular person <laughs> that can that can enjoy things just uh, at face value sometimes, then uh, go check it out, Andy. All right, well, it's time to figure out how did we get here. So, guys, uh, <laughs> TV singing competitions we change our minds on them at all? Do we? Uh, Placing more value on them than we did maybe originally, or uh, are we still kind of like, yeah? I there's so few people, so few artists that did anything from these shows, and I think it's because they are groomed and then they make their albums, and their albums are under the control of the TV producers and not their own creative control. And I think that's a recipe for disaster. And it's part of why Daughtry had some success was he was fourth place. He got to go make a record. He didn't have to sing the stupid finale song, you know? Yeah. So often they're not the people that really become more successful are not the winners of these competitions. Or- I, uh, I am, I mean, I, I'm intrigued by the, like the Eurovision song contest. I mean, I, I think that's kind of cool. Cause at least, 
you know, they're just presenting, they're just presenting songs, you know, so it's about songwriting and performance. Uh, I think they've tried things like that here in the United States. I think they maybe even did one where each state presented a, a song, but obviously that, you know, that, that didn't work out. But it was, I mean, it, it was fun going through a lot of these records. I mean, this is one of the harder homework assignments. Um, yes. You know, really, yeah. you know, finding, finding, <laughs> you know, some, something good, but I mean, I, I actually, I did enjoy listening to, to Susan Boyle. Her song choices are really interesting. You know, she does covers of like Lou Reed and tears for fears and Depeche mode and stuff like that. She's so. like more like adult contemporary. Is that? Sorry. Yeah. But she's another, you know, great voice. You touch on something important there, Don, the difference between like creating something yourself and just kind of performing something that somebody else has written for you or prior really is a, is a big gap there. Most of the artists that we're, really are successful or talk about on the show or, or people who are creating these things themselves, not always, but usually at least involved in the creation process. And oftentimes that's not the case with these people who are really just more a pretty face and a, a strong voice. And that's one to grow on. I'm your density. I mean, your destiny. All right. It's time to give that old wheel of music destiny a spin. If you remember previously on the Wheel of Musical Destiny, we were deep in uh, arbitration with with the AI bot who powers our wheel. Uh, she's negotiating for a better contract and uh, benefits. There you go again with that AI bot stuff. She's not going to like <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, I know. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, she's taking offense to being called AI bot for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> So we are we're taking up a campaign to to name the bots. So you could uh, get involved yourself. Go to albumnerds.com slash discord, join the discord and uh, submit your name there. Maybe maybe she'll be she'll take on the name herself. But hopefully we can uh, negotiate a spin out of her today. Your musical destiny is a bad case of Einhoff's, otherwise known as the album Nerds Hall of Fame. Einhoff. Einhoff's? Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess it's self-explanatory. We're picking albums that we think belong in the Album Nerds Hall of Fame. So what are your thoughts on talent shows? What do you think belongs in the Album Nerds Hall of Fame? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com or leave a voicemail at 585-210-2454. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Album Nerds. And if you'd like to support the show, do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. All right, join us next time on the Album Nerds podcast for some itchy... Swollen Ain Hops. <laughs> Who's our sponsor for this? <laughs> Preparation H or something. <laughs> yeah, catch you guys next week. Ah, uh, Kelly Clarkson! <laughs> wow, that was, that was good. That was loud. <laughs>